This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Let's take a second to thank today's sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is by far the absolute easiest way to make a podcast. And when I say easy, I mean easy. First of all, it's completely free and there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit right from your phone or your computer. Best of all, with Anchor, you can add any songs from Spotify directly to your episodes. So the possibilities are endless on what you can create. Whether you want to create a music analysis, your own radio show, a deep dive on your favorite genre or artist, or something that the world's never heard before. Anchor will even help publish your show to Spotify so you can reach hundreds of millions of listeners. Oh, did I mention there's no copyright on the songs? Yeah, it's that easy. If you guys want to start a podcast that includes music or you guys just want to start a podcast in general, get started by downloading the free Anchor app or going to anchor.fm. And if you need some inspiration, you can head over to blog.anchor.fm music from some more idea starters. Thank you so much and let's get into the episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. You will not be hearing an intro little jingle today because I actually lost it on my computer. So the jingle has disappeared. Final Cut Pro has decided to act a little difficult and delete my entire podcast library, which included my jingle. And while I could probably find it in the depths of my like documents and media files on my computer, I figured now was a sign to get a new jingle. So I have my good friend making me a little intro music for my podcast and I'm really excited it's going to be super original it's no longer going to be heard on Grubhub commercials if you know you know every time I watch a YouTube video a Grubhub ad comes on and I think it's my podcast because it's like the same jingle the do 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 that that's that's my podcast jingle and it's also frequently heard on grubhub commercials so now it's time for some original audio but anyways that is not what this podcast is about this podcast i am interviewing katie katie mary she is a wedding and editorial photographer and this episode is really interesting if you want to get started in the photography business and also it talks about how she grew kind of like how she started hiring employees how she grew her business how she started in photography which is way back when before social media was a thing. Um, It's just a really cool story to hear. I love having creative people on this podcast and so many of you guys are trying to get into the creative world. So I thought that she would be such an amazing guest to have on this episode. I'm really excited to share her story. And I also just want to thank all of the reviewers of the week. So thank you so much if you have reviewed my podcast if you do like this podcast please be sure to give it five stars that really does help me out and it just means a lot to me i think i really do this podcast for like one my enjoyment but also because i know how much you guys love it it's not like a main source of income for me whatsoever so this isn't i'm not doing this like for money or anything i'm doing it just because i genuinely love recording these episodes and so this podcast review comes from kelly she said so many awesome interviews that offer great advice and motivation as a youtube content creator i definitely love the interview with lucy fink definitely recommend thank you so much kelly for that sweet message lucy whoops i'm getting a call anyways what was i saying Thank you so much for these wonderful reviews. The episode with Lucy was also one of my favorites and I'm really glad that you guys enjoyed it, but I hope that you guys enjoy this episode with Katie. She's amazing and I know that you guys will love it. So if this podcast has brought you any joy, any information, you guys just like listening to it, please, please, please give it five stars on iTunes. But anyways, let's just get into the podcast. 
Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces inner pair split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Hi, Katie. How are you doing? Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Yeah, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you on. I was looking through your work and your portfolio, and I love everything that you do. So I'm really excited that you decided to come on my podcast. Yeah, I'm excited too, and uh, to share more with your audience. I know that you've got a lot of either uh, photo enthusiasts or uh, aspiring photographers, so excited to dig in. 
Awesome. So we're just going to get started with setting the record straight. This is just where I say some assumptions or stereotypes, and then you tell me if they're true or if they're false. Great. The first one is you need to go to school to become a photographer. Which, you know, we know that with pretty much everything these days is an absolute no. Um, I think even more so with photography and everyone's practically a professional with the new iPhones. So right. yeah, absolutely not. Um, I think anybody, it's accessible to really everyone. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think now if you can really learn everything online. Like you can really be self-taught and learn everything online. Absolutely. The next one is the first client is the hardest client to get. And that too, I would say is probably not true because like most things, um, whether you are the fitness trainer that starts by training your friends or just helping them get into working out or with photography, a lot of the times people notice that you're the person with the camera in the hand and then go, well, you know, would you mind just taking a few pictures of X, Y, and Z? And so I think usually that's often how businesses begin is they kind of fall into your lap and then quickly you realize, well, hmm, maybe I should start taking this to the next level and actually formally having a business around it. Right. I feel like it's harder to have clients like months out after you've kind of already taken your friends' pictures, your family's pictures, and then like a few months down the road consistently getting those clients. It's something that you're always having to work on, I feel like. Absolutely. Obviously, starting any business, but setting up that sales funnel and really figuring out how you're going to get in front of the right people is, is always the kind of most important and first thing to figure out. So, and that, that evolves with time. Absolutely. Right. And the next one is shooting weddings is a lot of pressure. That's 100% true. <laughs> um, it, they are fast-moving events, whether it's a you know, budget wedding in a backyard or a multi-million dollar luxury weddings um, you know, in faraway places. I think ultimately it is a you know, most often once-in-a-lifetime type of thing. Um, and most often... They, there are moments that you can't recreate. So, right. you know, that moment where dad kisses her on the cheek and gives her away or that first kiss or, or just those little things. Sure, you can stage a few things and things like that, but the actual in the moment uh, things kind of got to be in the right spot and be ready. And so they, they are a lot of pressure even after all these years. Um, I definitely still feel that pressure. Yeah, because I feel like it's such a big day. And so if even anything like what if you have like technical difficulties or you don't get the right shot you know like that Absolutely. is something that that those people will remember forever so I feel like if I was a Absolutely. photographer I would be so scared to shoot weddings <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it's definitely not for the faint at heart and and that's where a lot of really learning your gear having the backups going through all those redundancies is more important in that business that side of photography than probably any other Right. And so tell us about yourself. So what was your background before you became a photographer? Yeah. So uh, funny enough, I've pretty much been a photographer forever. Um, I, in high school, had the pleasure of having a real photography course. And, and I'm going to date myself now, but this was all pre-digital. Um, so back in the days of dark rooms and things like that. And uh, there was a program in my high school called VICA, which is Vocational, Vocational Industrial Clubs of America, and essentially everything from welding to auto mechanics to things like photography. And so I was brought in by my photo teacher to do a competition. I grew up in northern Nevada, uh, so we got to go to Las Vegas, which was uh, always a good time. So uh, I did this competition and essentially won at the state level and then at the national level was runner-up, which just meant that I got two 
scholarships to two different photography schools. And so I, right out of high school, ended up going to photography school and um, kind of that's the rest is history in terms of photography. So there wasn't much that I did before that, except for, uh, you know, normal jobs working on, I worked on cattle ranches and things like that growing up out there um, and doing the normal things like selling movie tickets and being hostess. But uh, pretty much in my, my grown up days, it was always photography. And so from an early age, is that what you knew that you wanted to do? Like even when you were younger, you wanted to be a photographer? So I was always into the arts, um, was always drawing, painting, pottery, you name it. I loved it all. Um, but probably my first uh, and still one of my largest passions is, is animals and uh, the environment and um, conservation in general. And so one of the things what I, I really wanted to do was actually go to school to proper university and just have that experience. You know, I came from a small cow town in Northern Nevada, so I wanted to like go to Columbia, New York, or go to UC Santa Barbara and really have that college town experience um, and study something like maybe zoology. I, Jane Goodall's a big idol of mine, you know, uh, kind of combining those things. So actually at the time, photography really wasn't like, oh, I want to be a photographer. I definitely had that passion, but really it kind of chose me um, once I got those scholarships and and realized that otherwise I didn't really have a college fund, so to speak. So it was either going right. to massive debt or go to photo school. And that just seemed like the good decision at the time. And, and luckily it worked out. Right. And when you did start photography, how did you get your first clients besides like friends and family? Did Was it word of mouth mainly or what was like the best way to get clients? Yeah. So once again, this is a long ways back. I've been in this industry for a long time now. And when I came out of photo school, still no digital. Um, we, the wedding industry was not what it is now. Um, it was, you know, in banquet rooms with like white tablecloths and white covered chairs. And there was a little to no creativity. You kind of had your standard wedding, um, not super fancy stuff that we see now. And so back then weddings weren't even on my radar. Um, I wanted to, of course, be a fashion photographer. And so I went down that lane. And so rather than seeking out clients to shoot, I was seeking out fashion photographers that I could work for. So I photo assisted for fashion photographers. I did a lot in that industry, production management, um, assisted even stylists. And later as digital was born, did some digital teching, which means just running the computer where the fashion photographer is shooting the images into and kind of regulating that as you go along through the shoot. And I did that for about five years before getting into shooting weddings. So I was able to kind of through that industry, through those contacts to be able to shoot more in that way, leveraging the work that I was already doing in the fashion industry. Okay. Wow. That's so that's super different. I feel like of kind of what you're doing now, because now you're doing more lifestyle weddings. I've even seen like wildlife on your pictures, mm -hmm. which I think is so cool. So why did you make that shift? Like how did you switch from fashion to doing more lifestyle? Yeah. And once again, this, uh, you know, a lot of your audience might not have ever experienced the pre-digital days, but really in fashion photography, when I started out, it was film. And then kind of about halfway through that period of that five years, that's when digital started to be born and it started to kind of get dropped into our shoots and we started shooting with it. And all of a sudden we went from a camera where you had no preview, essentially, we literally Polaroid. Um, and that's what, you know, the art director or the client would look at and go, okay, I think this looks good, you know, but you really had to trust the photographer and their vision and their eye to say, I got the shot. 
then with digital, all of a sudden we had screens and, and you've, you know, I'm sure been on shoots and everyone's seen them on TV where, you know, everyone's staring at the screen. They're seeing every shot that's coming through and they're going, no, 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 to the left, a little bit more. No, fix her hair. You know, everyone's got to vote. Um, and it was, it was a beautiful thing and obviously the future, but a lot of that sense of, uh, you know, really having that creative control as the photographer started to slip away. And, and obviously the very top photographers shooting the covers of Vogue still have that, but the industry definitely changed. Um, the shelf life of things, you know, decreased, uh, had to shoot more faster. You know, we see that with online. It's more like, you know, get the shot up. That's simple in the studio versus these big campaigns. And so really when I kind of saw that shift, I, I really didn't want to just be a button pusher. I really wanted to have some creative control and and I'd be able to sell my own ship in some, some respects. And I, I do still shoot for some fashion brands, mostly uh, like wedding designers and things like that and shoot editorial content for them. But once again, they're largely trusting in that creative direction, which is, is really what I love. Yeah. And so you've been in photography for a really long time. How have you seen the shift besides just going to digital? Like what else have you seen that has changed so much? Have like iPhones changed the way photography is done now? Cause I feel like now everyone is kind of like a photographer on their Absolutely. iPhone. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, you know, first off, it's never, the barrier to entry has gone way down. And, and that's a great thing for everyone, anyone that's listening that thinks they want to give it a try. Because back in the day, I mean, you really did have to commit to a film camera and go buy film and it's expensive. I mean, I, I still shoot film. So to this day, I'm a hybrid photographer. I shoot both film and digital for all the work that I do. Um, but, you know, every time I push that film button, it's about $2 every time I push that shutter. So it's a financial commitment where, you know, digital, you can you know, the SD cards now are super cheap. It wasn't always that way. Um, and so you can really get started and experiment and uh, be able to make those mistakes without literally depleting your bank account. Right. Um, so I think that aspect of it is really great. People can be really creative. Obviously, we've seen so many transitions in terms of our world and, and just the way even, um, you know, the way we interpret media and the news because everybody can be recording it and be showing video. So I think that aspect has absolutely changed it where to be a professional, you really do have to kind of differentiate yourself as an expert and why someone would trust you over, you know, cousin Vinny with his, you know, fancy point and shoot camera, um, or right. even an iPhone at this point, uh, we're at a lot of weddings and I see the guests, the pictures taken, I go, damn, that's, that looks pretty yeah. great with just your iPhone. I better get my, get my stuff together and get going. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like now iPhones have amazing cameras, smartphones have great cameras and everyone's now kind of experimenting even with really low budgets, which I think is awesome. Mm -hmm. But what would you say makes someone's style be like differentiate or different than someone else's? Like what differentiates a photographer or how can someone change their style to be unique? And how did you find your own style? Yeah. And I think this is uh, the funny part about this question is everyone's going to think it's going to come down to technique or, you know, Oh, they're going to have this color filter or, uh, you know, th they're going to use this lens or whatever that may be. And it's always for me. And I, I get sent a lot of portfolios. We're always looking for third shooters. If anyone's listening, you know, find me on Instagram. If you think you're great, send it to me. And really what we're always, what I'm always looking for is a point of view that they have a unique point of view and they're really true to that. And you see it with influencers. You see it with anything like that. You know, you see a great photojournalist where they just, their way of seeing the streets of New York City is completely different than the way this person would. And 
So I think more and more having a unique point of view that you can consistently see. And when I see someone that's really nailed it, or for me, the greatest compliment I get is I knew it was your picture before I ever saw the credit. And that's when you go like, great, we're on the right track. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like anyone can kind of buy presets now and get the same filters, but it's different when it's just like the picture itself is unique and very your style. Yeah. And what are your favorite things to shoot though? So you've done fashion, weddings, wildlife, even what is like your favorite, favorite shots to shoot? Yeah. And I think that evolves like anything else. I've been photographing weddings for about 14 years now. So I've been doing that for a long time. And in in that realm, my favorite is luxury destination weddings. There's nothing like transporting a group of people to somewhere really idyllic and amazing and letting them all get to know each other and having the course of these beautiful curated events play out for days. And we get to document that capsulated experience. So I love that. Um, I also have been doing more and more kind of returning to my roots of fashion and, and collaborating more with designers and doing more of those editorials, which I love. It's, it's a different challenge, which is great and gets to highlight some of that editorial background. And then, as you mentioned, I have a passion project called Render Loyalty, which we have three partners currently in Africa and we're partnered with some conservations there who Uh, do an amazing job protecting threatened wildlife. So we went there and photographed the animals that they protect and create series that we print large, uh, like large format prints and sell those online and donate back to them. And there's nothing quite like uh, photographing a baby elephant or, you know, one of our partners is an elephant orphanage in Kenya. And uh, that works really amazing to kind of bring those two passions of conservation and photography together. Yeah, I think it's cool that you've developed a way to bring your passion, like when you were saying you wanted to be a zoologist when you were mm-hmm. growing up, and now you're a photographer and you can kind of not do both, but you know, you're know you in both industries and you're in both worlds, which I think is really cool that you're able to do that with photography. Absolutely. I'm a big proponent of using the resources that you have to make a difference in what you care about. And I think right now there's a lot of conversation around people want to help and what can I do and once again, everybody has some resources and sometimes you just really have to take a look at stock of like, well, what could I leverage and how could I leverage that the most and then really take that and run with it. Yeah. And something I noticed with you that I thought was really cool is that you have a coaching business for photographers. So how did you start that? What made you think to do something like that to actually start educating other photographers as well? Yeah. And of course, over the years, I've, I've spoken at different conferences or workshops and things like that. A lot of it uh, was always focused around in-person workshops where we teach a small group of photographers at a time. And, and uh, this was surprisingly, uh, thank goodness, pre-pandemic, but I really wanted to take all the teachings of my 13 years and uh, encapsulate them into a digital course that I could deliver to photographers who were maybe where I was at year three or year five and what I really wish I had known. And so I created a digital course for specifically that. And so we had our first group go through that in January, and then we'll be opening up enrollment for that again in the spring. And it's just, uh, I think there's so many detours you can avoid if you can really learn from people who have done it the hard way, which I certainly have my fair share of those. So yeah, and I feel like it's it's a better alternative than or it could be a good like supplement to going to actual photography school because especially if you're starting out it's not like a long-term commitment or as long as college would be and you're learning again from people who have already been through it, which I think yeah. is really important. 
Yeah, and, and photography, learning it in any classroom setting is great. You need to learn about the fundamentals of it, but they really don't teach you a lick about business. And, and I don't even think real business schools are teaching people what it is to actually be an entrepreneur and to really be the day in, day out of running your business. And so there's a lot of that in there. And for me, a, a lot of that comes back to mindset and and really having that good mind around all the work that you do. And, and that's like anything else. It takes practice. It takes exercises. It takes somebody teaching you how to do it. So there's a lot of that in there. Right. Because as a photographer, I mean, you are running your own business. Like this is all, Absolutely. you're an entrepreneur. Like Absolutely. this is your own business. So I feel like that's also something that is important to note that it's not just being good on camera. Like you actually have to have that business mindset. To Absolutely. Be and, and I think that's where a lot of, I know I personally focused on the art for maybe the first five to seven years of my business before I was like, Oh, I'm making enough money. You know, it's fine. I really wasn't focusing on that. And the minute I kind of realized, wow, the, there's a whole other half to this that I haven't really been giving much attention. And, and once I did that, man, it really opened up the world. And so I think the sooner that we can get I think it's hard when you're a creative person and you're focused on your art, you know, you've really got to apply that same enthusiasm to the business side, especially if you want to be successful long-term. Right. And as a photographer also, do you have other, you were saying that you were looking for a third shooter. So do you have a team with you right now that you've kind of built out? Yeah. So luckily uh, about 10 years ago, my husband and business partner, Chad, he joined with me full-time. So we've been working together for a, a little over 15 years now. So he's full-time in the business. We have a studio assistant and then we have, we have quite a few contractors that we're always working with. And we'll, we do work with third and fourth shooters on different jobs, depending on where they are in the world and those types of things. So we're always looking for great people who have talent and once again that point of view and are professional and fun to work with yeah how difficult is it to hire someone though because it's like it's not your you know like if people hire you it's like your own style that they really love and if you bring on another shooter are you training them to kind of shoot like you or you're letting them do their own thing as well and like because you do like their point of view and their style it's, it's usually a bit of both. So there's some learning of, of the way we like to do things and operate as a business. And that usually comes from that professionalism standpoint of we're going to operate and kind of all collectively dress this way, act this way, you know, those types of things, not be looking at our phones, whatever that may be. Um, and then there's the separate side of, I know what I shoot really well. I've got what my husband and business partner, Chad shoots really well. So usually if I'm bringing someone on, some stuff will be redundancy, but a lot of it is I'm hoping that they have that perspective that is unique, that they might just see those fleeting moments. And especially when you're a third shooter or a fourth shooter, you have a lot of creative freedom because the hero shot's not on you. You know, you're not responsible for getting the shot. You can climb up in the rafters and get the bird's eye view type of thing and, and do those things that are maybe a little bit more risky, but sometimes the reward can be really great too. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I always am wondering about whenever photographers have like other shooters with them, I'm like, is it their own style? Is it someone, mm -hmm. are they kind of letting them be more creative? Because I mean, if you're hiring someone, like you kind of want that main person style, but I get the, you need other people. Like you physically cannot do it yourself. Every yes. Day. And, and I think it has to complement. Certainly we can't have something that's, you know, going to contradict to that main style. And and you really do that second shooter, at least for my business and in weddings is the most important role and having that be really in line with yours. And so I'm lucky that 
uh, I was able, you know, I work consistently with my husband. So for 10 years now, he's kind of been getting drilled into his head, do the, you know, shoot like this, have this, and really knows our business inside and out, obviously. And so then with those other ones, the more you can really invest in people and have a good team around you, even if it's, you know, the smallest but mightiest team, it really does help you to support and kind of go to, to that next level and in, in whatever you're doing. Right. And you have been doing it for a long time. So how has your marketing shifted from when you first got clients to how you get clients now? Is it kind of still the same way? Or I can imagine Instagram probably has helped a lot and social media has helped a lot. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, because, uh, you know, once again, I'm going to make myself sound like a dinosaur here, but we were relying on print publication to get the news out. Now, you know, fast forward to 2020, pretty much every print publication is, you know, nearly dead, if not dying. Um, Instagram has taken over the planet and it's a whole different thing, but ultimately it's still the same thing of showing what you want to shoot, um, making sure we're shooting things that we are happy to slap uh, up on Facebook or Instagram or um, back then on a cover of a magazine. And so really just making sure that we're actively getting our work out there and showing it and, and really trying to make sure the brand is well represented uh, from the get-go. My website and making sure that all the branding and how we were coming across visually was always super important. And I think obviously the whole world is caught up to that branding is super important, but I think that just means that continual evolution that every day we're taking a look at it. What can we refine? What can we do better? And just, it's always a work in progress, always a work in progress. Right. You always have to really keep up with like the trends mm -hmm. and the times and what's new and what's coming. Have you explored other avenues like TikTok yet or like the newer? You know, it's funny. So you could probably help me there. Um, <laughs> I, I do have a handle. So if anyone's listening at KT Mary, um, I haven't posted anything yet. But well, my main idea with that was to show some behind the scenes. Um, mm -hmm. But given you know, what's happened this year in 2020, we don't have a lot of behind the scenes um, happening because our shooting schedule really slowed to a halt. So um, hopefully I will be showing behind the scenes there soon. Yeah, yeah. I know I have a few photographer friends here and they've actually like blown up on TikTok. Like that's really? the most popular social media now. That's amazing. Which well, is really cool. I'll, I'll have to, you'll have to interview one of them about that and I'll listen to that episode. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> a really cool, it's a really cool avenue that I feel like anyone can kind of blow up on there and there's just, mm -hmm. it's really easy to go viral. Whereas Instagram, I feel like you kind of got to work hard. the algorithm now Yeah. and TikTok, there's like no algorithm. It just randomly promotes everyone. So yeah. it's like a lot easier to go viral on there. Well, I'm, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But what would be your biggest advice for someone who is a photographer or wants to be, I should say who wants to be a photographer that literally doesn't even have a camera yet. Like they don't even know where to begin. What's like the first step for you to start? Well, I think really just shoot. I mean, shooting is so important, even if it's with your iPhone of making a mission to go and take a picture, a portrait of your friend in the street of whatever that may be. Number one, just start shooting and try to start building a consistent body of work. And, and now, I mean, luckily with things like Instagram, gosh, you don't even need a website. You can use that yeah. as your portfolio if you really, you know, start to curate it and you can see, start to see how it all works together. And if you've got a trend and a voice developing and things like that. So 
I think most important shoot. And then, yeah, getting a camera is super important. Um, I think that learning the bones of what photography is, f-stops and shutter speeds and how those really work together and, you know, sunny 16 and, uh, you know, all these things, uh, rule of thirds, really starting to learn about those and actually go out and implement them. I think that's number two. And I, like I said, I'm a big film proponent. So if someone's like, hey, I actually, you know, think I want to give this thing a try, go get, you know, a cheap film camera, even some 35 mil millimeter roll of film and just start taking some film shots and experimenting. And I think that's how you can really start to, to grow and, and develop that voice and style. Yeah, film is making another comeback, I feel like. I feel like so many more people are shooting in film now. Yeah, and, and it's amazing. And it's really not only for me when I went back to film after kind of having a digital hiatus and, and then when I was teaching my husband how to shoot, it was once he got far enough along with digital that I was like, okay, you're good enough. I'm going to put the film camera in your hand. That's when all of a sudden it went from being a person taking pictures to being his own photographer. Right. And you really have that transition because you have to really, you have to learn it and figure out the light and then start to trust yourself and, and take that leap of faith that, okay, I think I got it. Um, we don't know for sure until the phone comes back. So it's a really great way to develop. And I, I can't recommend it enough for anyone who's experimenting with the possibility of going down that path. Yeah, I was with my friend and she just got a film camera. She's a photographer and she oh, was cool. shooting and she accidentally left her like film out in the light. Oh, or, yeah. So it just completely like she couldn't use any of it. Yeah. So I think she like sent in the wrong role. I don't even know what happened. <laughs> ended up on her like desk out in the open in the light for oh, yeah. long. And so all she had to start completely from scratch. Yeah, it's a good way to learn lessons and you'll, yeah. and she'll never do that again. You know, you only right. have to do it once. And, and that is the only other caveat that I'd say is when you're, I'm a big fan of experimentation, experiment all day long. Obviously you want to do that with your personal work and your own time. You know, if somebody hires you to take a picture of their Christmas card, make sure you double it up if you're not so, so certain on this method yet that you can trust it. Right, right. But yeah. it's been so fun having you on. Before you go, though, I'd love to have everything listed. So where can they find you? Where can they find your work, your coaching or your class that you have? Yeah, on Instagram and TikTok, uh, at KT Mary, and that's K-T-M-E-R-R-Y. And then as far as um, if you're a photographer looking for education, you can find it from my main, main website, ktmary.com, and it's called The Abundance Plan is our digital course. I do one-to-one -one coaching as well as brand and website reviews, and we've always got a lot of free resources there for budding photographers too, so be, be uh, sure to check that out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to have everything in the show notes, but it was really great having you on the podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast. I really loved making it and I cannot wait for you guys to hear all the other episodes that we have in store. But thank you again. I really appreciate you guys listening and I really appreciate the great reviews and I will see you guys next week on another episode of the Real Real Podcast and hopefully I'll have a jingle by then. <laughs> Hey, my name is Lovon Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.